0: We would be honored if you would join. What's going on my fantastic Star Wars family? How is everyone doing today? I hope everything is good on your side of the galaxy. Nothing really new on mine. But we're gonna skip the whole Thanksgiving talk thing. We're not gonna do that. I was gonna talk about it, but there's more important stuff that we need to cover. Just trust me when I say, it's gonna be an exciting show. So let's get started. First, we're gonna talk about The Mandalorian. We have no choice. We have to talk about it, because there was a lot of things that were revealed in this episode. First was the fact that Ahsoka name-dropped Thrawn, which caught me totally off guard, because unless the Chiss can survive in the vacuum of space, Thrawn died in the last episode of Rebels, which happened before the fall of the Empire, so there's no way that he could be alive now. The second was the fact that Ahsoka told Din to take the child to Tython. Remember in the first season of this show, the book we covered was called Dawn of the Jedi Into the Void, which talks about. Titan and dates back to more than 25,000 BBY, which some speculate is the birthplace of the Jedi. So that was super exciting. Then the third thing was the existence of other Jedi. At this point, from what we know, Luke and Ahsoka are the only Jedi left, and technically Ahsoka's not even a Jedi. I think by this point Luke might have been training Leia, but I don't think she was a Jedi yet. But Ahsoka said that there's still a few left out there, and I can't wait to see who these other Jedi are. Maybe they can explain why they just stayed hidden, instead of helping Luke defeat the Empire. One of the most exciting things revealed in this episode was the name of the child, a.k.a. Baby Yoda. Ahsoka tells Mando that the child's name was Grogu. He was raised in the Jedi Temple on the planet of Coruscant. When the Empire came into power, Grogu was hidden for his protection, which falls into him being in his 50s, like it was said in the first season. But what I don't get out of all the names in the universe, they chose the name Grogu. Really it sounds like a foot fungus or something. I guess I just thought it would be something that was a little bit cuter. But this episode caused a lot of questions to pop in my head, and only time will tell if they will be answered. Now let's get to the part of the show that I'm super excited about we have a special guest for everyone to meet this man founded and incorporated star wars and the martial arts into one of the most creative training plans ever basically he became a saber master himself so he could train others in the art of lightsaber combat a true jedi master so without wasting a bunch more time i would like to introduce everyone to alan white the creator and instructor of level up lightsabers welcome to the show alan I'm pumped to be here. Well, as you know, we are some super fans of what you are doing. But the most important question that popped into my head after I found the website was, how did you come up with the idea behind Level Up Lightsaber? The beginning.
1: More than five years ago, I had a samurai sword curriculum I was teaching at the martial arts school and I was having trouble keeping people consistent. Now, the system I teach is Shaolin Kempo Karate. And so that's my root martial art. But I've done a lot of other stuff. The samurai sword curriculum I've got a family connection with. If you look at me, nobody would guess that I'm a quarter Japanese, but my grandmother's originally from Okinawa. When I was able to start learning samurai sword, when that became something that was available to me as an adult, that was something I jumped right on. Now the samurai sword, as I got to do it, and I introduced it as a special topic class at our school, we'd have people that would kind of do it for a little bit, but they'd float in and out. Because if I hand somebody a wooden thing that looks kind of like a sword and say, pretend this is a sword, most people can kind of do that, but they don't really get excited. And if you don't really get excited, then you don't keep practicing. And then I found companies that make durable, you can wax stuff with this lightsabers. Like it just flipped everything. And so I got a few and we started kind of experimenting with that. And then I took my samurai sword curriculum and we just started doing it with lightsabers. And if I take an adult who is a star Wars fan, like a rational human being, and I hand them a lightsaber, like something that looks like a lightsaber, they have zero problems pretending that it's a lightsaber. Like as soon as you got it, like you're seven, you are in the zone.
0: My wife yells at me all the time for playing with my lightsabers. She says I'm too old to be playing with toys, but I'm a Star Wars fan. You gotta have a lightsaber. It brings me joy. <laughs> but so that was sort of the beginning of the lightsaber curriculum. What were the circumstances behind the decision to
1: convert it to an online course? A lot of the students that I had, cause we only had a few class times during the week, wanted to be able to access the material from home to practice on their own or to practice with friends or family that couldn't make it to the classes consistently and they wanted sort of that practice help. And at the time, I wasn't really familiar with YouTube and some of the other platforms for video sharing and things like that. And so I started working with somebody on getting the website built out with the curriculum. And that was a process. If you've never had to build a website before, it's like trying to cook a steak by having this long line of people and everybody's gonna walk by and everybody breathes on at one time. It is an arduous process. And at a certain point, we got to push through the rest of the way and get this thing launched, and that was the beginning of LevelUpLightsaber.com. Of and our curriculum and the breakdown is is all there. It's all
0: streaming. Earlier, you touched on lightsabers a little bit. What made you decide to start offering lightsabers on the website, and what did you look for in a manufacturer for your lightsabers?
1: Our lightsaber program. We've had to really, really modify what we're doing. You know, people are meeting me at the park and stuff like that. That gave me the opportunity to start looking around with lightsabers in a way that I really hadn't been able to before now. And so I've got lightsabers from a bunch of different companies that make these. There are a lot of different suppliers for this stuff online. If you Google it, you'll find at least four different people on the first page of Google. I'm not trying to change the game with the lightsabers we have. What I wanted to find, these were my criteria. I wanted something that was going to help people practice the curriculum at home, give them good malleability so that they could make it what they wanted it to be, both the curriculum and the saber, and keep the price as low as I could. So I wanted as many features as I could in as tight a budget as I could make it happen so that people could pick up a saber, practice at home, whether it's your garage or your backyard, whatever. They wanted to find a saver that was going to let me do that. And that has been a process as well. Getting it on the website has been a process. What I've got is a handle that's pretty versatile. So the base curriculum is all based on samurai sword, like I said, so I've got a saber handle that works really good as a two-hand grip, single saber, kind of a loadout.
0: So if somebody wanted to use a double-edged lightsaber, how would your lessons give them the ability to do that? You wanna dual wield,
1: if you want a staff, whatever, starting with one weapon is the best jumping off point because you gotta learn the geometry before you can start changing the geometry. And so any martial art you're gonna do, any fencing you're gonna do, more or less comes down to like triangles And if you make your triangle better than the other person's triangle, you overcome their triangle and you win. As soon as I made the jump from samurai sword to lightsaber, there was all this other stuff that I also knew that I could start incorporating into the curriculum and make it this sort of amalgamation. So I've done some Philippine martial arts, which is Kali, Eskrima, Arnis, that's sort of that blanket term for that. And I've got that woven in. A lot of our dual wield is pulled directly out of Philippine martial arts. Our staff is from a little bit of Japanese staff, a lot of spear, and a lot of other long weapons because you can't really use a staff lightsaber exactly like a bow staff since you can't slide past the handle so you have to operate it a little bit differently and it's actually a lot less like a staff and a lot more like other weapons because of how you bound to the middle unless you don't like your fingers. These handles are the things that i found that let people that want to do the application aspect, it gives them that. People that want to do demonstrations with a friend and do like complex choreography, it gives them that. People that want cosplay, it gives them a way to do that on their TikTok without having to, to spend five $600 on something. They can use something that's a little more entry-level, gives them the ability to, to make it theirs.
0: You just talked a little bit about cosplay. What does your curriculum offer to someone that wants to learn for something like cosplay or tournament use? Because we all know how big cosplay has grown.
1: Yeah, and like there are so many ways for cosplayers to put themselves out there now between people having unlimited data plans on their cell phones, so like Facebook and Instagram, Instagram and TikTok, there are all these ways now to be able to put your cosplay in front of people. There are a lot of people in the cosplay community that have like stage combat background or martial arts background. There's so much overlap. And for somebody that is, especially if they've been in the community for a little while and they want to make a Jedi and they want to be able to kind of put something together for a video that's going to look like authentic, incredible, I want to put tools in their toolbox to do that. You got somebody that wants to be able to start going to some of the contact tournaments because they're, you can contact Vince Lightsaber, right? And somebody that wants to sort of get into that community, but they don't have a training club or, or someplace local. I wanted to put something in their toolbox so that they could figure out what are the beginnings of this? How do I get started? And let this one set of curriculum be something that could help those two people that have two very, very different things they need. And so rather than focusing on teaching the forms as they're introduced to us from some of the books and things like that, I wanted to pare it down, make it as, as sharp as I could. Because you make a blade sharper by taking metal away from it, right? So I wanted it to be as narrow as possible so that it could then be as versatile as the person needed it to be.
0: Alan, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it and we really appreciate all that you're doing. Thank you. This is fun. We can't tell you enough how amazing you are. Thank you so much for offering the Star Wars community your expertise. It is so awesome that you are willing to take your time out to show us how to use these lightsabers properly. You are a pillar to the community and we are lucky to have you. To check out Level Up Lightsabers and all that they offer, We have put a link to their website in the show notes. Go give it a click. Okay, now let's get to the book because there's a lot going on. And I can't wait to find out what happens next.
2: Des never got a clear look at the man who'd ordered his transfer. By the time they'd gotten him out of the pit, the cloaked figure had vanished. They gave him food and water, then let him clean and refresh himself. Though he was freed from the cuffs, he was still under heavy guard, as he boarded a small transport ship heading for Korriban. Nobody spoke to him on the trip, and Des didn't know what was going on. At least he wasn't cuffed anymore. He chose to take that as a good sign they arrived in the middle of the day he'd expected them to touch down at dreshta the only city in the dark and forbidding world instead the ship landed at a starport built atop an ancient temple overlooking a desolate valley a chill wind blew across the landing pad as he disembarked but it didn't bother des after the stale air of the pit any breeze felt good he felt a shiver go down his spine as his foot touched korriban's surface He'd heard that this had once been a place of great power, though now only the merest shadows remained. There was an undercurrent of malice here. He'd felt it as soon as the transport had entered the bleak planet's atmosphere from this vantage point he could make out other temples scattered across the world's desert surface
0: okay let's stop right here he said that he could feel the malice in the air as soon as he entered the atmosphere of korban well at least he's becoming more in tune with his feelings but if i was him i'll be trying to plan my escape but that's just me
2: even at this distance he could perceive the eroded rock and crumbling stone of the once grand entrances beyond the valley the city of dreshta was a mere speck on the horizon He was met on the landing pad by a hooded figure. He could tell right away this wasn't the same one who had come to him in the pit. This person had neither the size nor the impressive bearing of his liberator. Even through the containment field, Des had been able to sense his commanding presence. This figure, which Des now thought to be female, motioned for him to follow. Silently, she led him down a flight of stone steps and into the temple itself. They crossed the landing and ascended another set of stairs, then repeated the pattern, working their way level by level down from the temple's apex to the ground below. There were doors and passages leading off from each landing, and Des could hear snippets of sound and conversation echoing from them, though he could never quite tell what was being said. She didn't speak, and Des knew better than to break the silence himself. Technically, he was still a prisoner. For all he knew, she was leading him to his court-martial. He wasn't about to make things worse by asking foolish questions. When they reached the bottom of the building, she led him to a stone archway with yet another flight of stairs. These were different, however. They were narrow and dark, and wound their way down until they vanished from sight deep in the bowels of the ground. Without a word, his guide handed him a torch she'd taken from a bracket on the wall, and then stepped aside. Wondering what was going on, Des made his way carefully down the steep staircase. He couldn't say how much deeper he went. It was difficult to maintain any perspective in the narrow confines of the stairwell. After several
0: minutes, he reached the bottom,
2: only to find a long hallway stretching out before him.
0: Okay, wait a minute. The woman that shows Dez where he had to go gave him a torch and then stepped aside, leaving him alone. I don't know about Dez, but any rational person would have been using this time to try to escape. I know I would have been. You have no idea what is waiting for you at the end of this hallway. I would be trying to get the heck out of there.
2: At the end of the hallway, he encountered a single room was dark and filled with shadow. Only a few torches sputtered on the stone wall, their dying flames barely able to pierce the gloom. Des paused at the threshold, letting his eyes adjust. He could just make out a dim figure inside. It beckoned to him. Come forward. He felt a chill, though the room was far from cold. The air itself was electric. ...filled with power he could actually feel. He was surprised that he didn't feel afraid. He recognized what he felt as the chill of anticipation. As Des moved deeper into the room, the features of the shrouded figure became clear... ...revealing himself to be a Twi'lek. Even under the loose-fitting robe he wore, Des could see he was thick and heavy-set. He stood nearly two meters tall, easily the largest Twillig Dez had ever met. ...though not quite as large as Des himself. His leku wound down his broad chest and wrapped back up around his muscular neck and shoulders. His eyes glowed orange beneath his brow, mirroring the flickering torches. He smiled, revealing the sharp, pointed teeth common to his species. I am Lord Corbege of the Sith, he said. At that moment, Des knew without a doubt this was the cloaked one who had come to him in the pit, and he gave a slight bow of his head in acknowledgment. I am to be your inquisitor, Lord Kopesh explained, his voice showing no emotion. I alone will determine your fate.
0: Rest assured, my judgment will be final.
2: Dez nodded again. The Twi'lek fixed his burning orange eyes on Dez. You are no friend of the Jedi or their Republic. It wasn't a question, but Des felt compelled to answer anyway. What have they ever done for me? Exactly, Kopesh said with a cruel smile. I understand you have fought many battles against the Republic forces, Your fellow troopers speak highly of you. The Sith have need of men like you if we are to win this war. He paused. You were a model soldier. Until you disobeyed a direct order. The order was a mistake. Des said. His throat had grown so dry and tight that he had trouble getting the words out. Why did you refuse to attack the outpost during the day? Are you a coward? A coward wouldn't have completed the mission. Des replied sharply, stung by the accusation. Kopech tilted his head to the side and waited. Attacking in the daylight was a tactical mistake. Des continued, trying to press his point. Ulibar should have relayed that information back to command, but he was too scared. Ula Bor was the coward, not me. He would rather risk death at the hands of the Republic than face the Brotherhood of Darkness. I prefer not to throw my life away needlessly. I can see that from your service record. Kopesh said, Kashik, Trandosha, Fasira. If these reports are accurate, you have performed incredible feats during your time with the Gloomwalkers. Feats some would claim to be impossible. Des bristled at the implication. The reports are accurate, he replied. I have no doubt that they are. Kopech either hadn't noticed or didn't care about the tone of Des's reply.
0: Okay, so at the end of the hallway was a Sith Lord, and this Sith Lord would be trying him for his actions. One person is going to be his judge and jury. That is the worst due process ever. But as Lord Colpage was asking Dez all these questions, Dez doesn't seem fearful for his life. He is answering them with a hint of anger in his voice. Like he was being accused of not having no heart. I would have been scared out of my mind. This yellow-eyed giant Twi'lek has my life in his hands. But Dez is talking to him like he's just another guy. Like I said before, I think Dez is a little bit crazy in the head.
2: (laughs) Do you know why I brought you to Korriban? Dez was beginning to realize that this wasn't really a court-martial after all. It was some kind of test, though for what, he still wasn't sure. I feel I've been chosen for something. Kopej gave him another sinister smile. Good. Your mind works quickly. What do you know of the Force? Not much. Des admitted with a shrug. It's something the Jedi believe in, some great power that's supposed to be just floating out there in the universe somewhere. And what do you know of the Jedi? I know they believe themselves to be guardians of the Republic. Des replied, making no attempt to hide his contempt. I know they wield great influence in the Senate. I know many believe they have mystical powers. And the Brotherhood of Darkness... Dez considered his words more carefully this time. You are the leaders of our army and the sworn enemy of the Jedi. Many believe that you, like them, have unnatural abilities. But you do not. Dez hesitated, struggling to come up with the answer he thought Korpesh wanted to hear. In the end, he couldn't figure out what his Inquisitor was looking for, so he simply told the truth. I believe most of the stories are greatly exaggerated. Coppedge nodded. A common enough belief. Those who do not understand the ways of the Force regard such tales as myth or legend. But the Force is real, and those who wield it have power you can't even imagine. You've seen many battles, but you have not experienced the real war. While troops vie for control of worlds and moons, the jedi and sith masters seek to destroy each other. We are being driven toward an inevitable and final confrontation. The faction that survives, Sith or jedi, will determine the fate of the galaxy for the next thousand years. True victory in this war will not come through armies. But through the Brotherhood of Darkness. Our greatest weapon is the Force, and those individuals who have the power to command it. Individuals like you. He paused to let his words sink in before continuing. <laughs>
0: So, Copez tells Dez that he can use the Force. After he talks about the Sith and the Jedi and the war between the dark and the light and its inevitable outcome, he drops the bombshell that Dez can use the Force. I know if I was Dez, this would have blown my mind. While at the same time, this gives Dez an explanation of his gift.
2: You are special, Dez. You have many remarkable talents. These talents are manifestations of the Force. And they have served you well as a soldier. But you have only scratched the surface of your gift. The Force is real. It exists all around us. You can feel the power of it in this room. Can you sense it? Des hesitated only a moment before nodding. I feel it. Hot, like a fire, waiting to explode. The power of the dark side. The heat of passion and emotion. I can feel it in you as well. Burning beneath the surface, burning like your anger. It makes you strong. Korpesh closed his eyes and tilted his head back, as if basking in the heat. The tips of his head tails twitched ever so slightly. The only sound was the faint crackle of flame from the torches. A bead of sweat rolled down the crown of Des's bare scalp and along the back of his neck. He didn't wipe it away, though he did shift his feet uncomfortably as it trickled its way between his shoulder blades. The slight movement seemed to snap the twillet out of his trance. He didn't speak again for several seconds, but he studied Des intently with his piercing gaze. You have touched the Force in the past, but your abilities are an insignificant speck beside the power of a true sith master he finally said there is great potential in you if you stay here on korriban we can teach you to unleash it des was speechless you would no longer be a trooper on the front lines klopash continued if you accept my offer that part of your life is over you will be trained in the ways of the dark side. You will become
0: one of the Brotherhood of Darkness. And you will not return to the Gloom Walkers. I think the dark side of the force is like a drug. The way Copez acts when he is feeling it reminds me of a drug addict after he takes a hit. You've seen it on TV, when the addict takes a hit and their head rolls back and their eyes roll back in their head, and then they go into that trance-like state. All this just sounds very creepy to me. But instead of Dez being court-martialed, he is being told that he can be a part of the Brotherhood of Darkness, that he could be taught to control his gift. First, I am told that I've been using the Force the whole time, then told that I could be a Sith Lord. All this would have blown my mind. I would have been jumping for joy. I'm a big kid. I would be thinking about was the tricks I could pull on other people.
2: felt his heart pounding, his head swimming. As long as he could remember, he'd known he was special because of his unique talents. And now he was being told that his abilities were nothing compared with what he could really accomplish. Still, part of him balked at the idea of leaving his unit without even having a chance to say goodbye. He considered Adenar, Lucia, and the others as more than just fellow soldiers, they were his friends. Could he really abandon them like this? Even for the chance to join the Sith Masters? He recalled one of the last things Groshik had ever said to him. Don't count on others for help. In the end, each of us is in this alone. The survivors are those who know how to look out for themselves. Everything he'd had, he'd given to his unit. He'd saved their lives too many times to count. And in the end, when the Enforcers had come to take him away, they'd been powerless to save him. They would have tried if he'd let them, but they would have failed. Dez realized the truth. His unit, his friends, could do nothing for him now. He could rely only on himself, like always. He'd be a fool to turn this opportunity down. I am honored, Master Kopech, and I gratefully accept your offer. The way of the Sith is not for the weak, the big Twi'lek warned. Those who falter will be left behind. There was something ominous in his tone. I won't be left behind, Daz replied unfazed. That remains to be seen, Kopech noted. Then he added... This is a new beginning for you, Des. A new life. Many of the students who come here take a new name for themselves. They leave their old life behind. Des had no desire to hang on to any part of his old life an abusive father, the brutality of working the mines in the patros. He had been seeking a new life for as long as he could remember. The Gloomwalkers had offered an escape, but it had been a temporary one now he had a chance to leave his past behind forever all he had to do was embrace the brotherhood of darkness and its teachings and yet for reasons he couldn't explain he felt the cold grip of fear closing in on him the fear made him hesitate do you wish to choose a new name for yourself death cope asked, possibly sensing his reluctance do you wish to be reborn Dez nodded. Kopej smiled once more. And by what name shall we call you now? The fear would not stop him. He would seize the fear, transform it, and make it his own. He would take what had once made him weak and use it to make himself strong.
0: My name is Bane. Bane of the Sith. At this point, Kopech asked him if he wanted to change his name, a representation of his new life as a Sith. So Des thinks back to what the canteen owner had told him. He was alone in this universe and had no one that could help him. He realizes that his fellow goonwalkers were powerless, but he had an opportunity to become very powerful. He had been searching for a way to start a new life. A way to escape his past of so much sorrow. This is his way out. Copez asked him again if he would like to change his name. This is where Dez ended and Bane started. I don't know why he would take that name though. He said it used to make him weak, but now it would give him strength, which doesn't make any sense to me. That's like an alcoholic using alcohol to quit drinking. I Keep saying it. This dude is crazy. Lord Cordis,
2: exalted master of the Sith Academy on Korriban, scratched gently at his chin with long, talon-like fingers. This student you had brought me, this Bane, has never been trained in the ways of the Force. Kope shook his head and twitched his lekku ever so slightly in annoyance. As I told you before, Cordis... He grew up on a Patros, a world controlled by the Oro Company. Yet you managed to find this young man and bring him here to the Academy. It seems almost too convenient, the Twilix snarled. This is not a plot against you, Cordis. That is no longer our way. We are a brotherhood now. Remember, you are too suspicious. Cordis laughed. (laughs) Not suspicious. Cautious. It has helped me to maintain my position here among so many powerful and ambitious young Sith. He is as powerful as any of them, Corpesh insisted. But he is also older. We prefer to find our students when they are younger and more... uh, malleable. Now you sound like a Jedi, Kopech sneered. They seek younger and younger pupils, hoping to find them pure and innocent. In time, they will refuse any who are not infants. We must be quick to block those they leave behind. Besides, he continued, Bane is too strong to simply pass over. Even for the Jedi. ''We are lucky we found him before they did.'' ''Yes, lucky.'' Cordis echoed, his voice dripping with sarcasm. ''His arrival here seems to be an incredible turn of many fortuitous events. Quite lucky, indeed.'' ''Some might see it that way,'' Kopesh admitted. ''Others might see it as something more. Destiny,
0: perhaps.'' Okay, so Cordis won't let the past stay in the past. He still thinks Kopech is out to get him. Now, Copez brings Bane to the Sith Academy, and Cordis thinks that Kopech is trying to get him. Cortis tells Kopech that Bane is too old to be trained. Kopech tells Kopech that he sounds like a Jedi. They need to train anyone that can use the Force. I don't see Bane being treated very well by Cordis. If I were Kopech, I would have trained Bane myself. I would not leave him at the Sith Academy. It just seems too sketchy to me.
2: There was silence while Cordes considered his longtime rival's words. The other acolytes have been training for many years. He will be far behind, he said at last. He will catch up, if given the chance, Cordes insisted. And I wonder, will the others give him that chance? Not if they're smart. I'm afraid we may simply be throwing away one of Lord Gan's best troopers. We both know the Jedi won't be defeated by soldiers. Korpesh snapped. I'd gladly trade a thousand of our best troopers for even one Sith Master. Korda seemed taken aback by his passionate reaction. He's that strong, is he? This Bane. Korpesh nodded. I think he might be the one we've been searching for. He could be the Sithari. Before he can claim that title, Cordis said with a cunning smile, he'll have to survive his training.
0: There were a couple things that I wanted to talk about right here that I found very interesting. First was how the other students would treat Bane because of how far behind he would be. Would they allow him to catch up or would they exploit his weaknesses? What kind of Sith Lords care about the well-beings of a student? If they get jacked up, they will learn or be dead. And the second was they spoke of the Safari. Now I didn't know who or what this Safari thing was. So I had to look it up on one of the Star Wars sites. I will put a link in the show notes, but it is a Sith prophecy of the dark side chosen one, basically Anakin of the Sith. Well, that's not quite right because Anakin became a Sith. So that doesn't really make no sense. Anyway, it was a prophecy of a perfect Sith. The Sithari will be free of limits. He will lead the Sith and destroy them. The Sithari will rise the Sith from death and make them stronger than ever before. Sounds like a really nice guy. But we are at the end of Chapter 8. So I guess we won't be finding out if Bane is this person, the Safari, in this chapter. You will have to join us for Chapter 9 to find out what happens. Hope to see you then.